You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Interstate Batteries has been a proud supporter of the Sportsman's Nation since day one. With over 200,000 locations throughout the U.S. and offering 12,000 different types of batteries, stop into your local Interstate Battery store today and let them help you find the right batteries for your everyday life. Welcome to the DIY Sportsman Podcast with your hosts, Garrett Prawl and Boudreaux Boswell. All right, you just got me tonight. I am doing a podcast, going to be about the JX3 Hybrid, which I recently did a video on. I'll tell you what, man, this this whole week I've just been super short on sleep. I've been, it's the last week of the Minnesota turkey season. Last week, Wisconsin too, I guess. Uh, but the Minnesota one lasts a couple days longer, goes through the end of the month. And since I'm really trying to be conservative with my PTO, uh, given that I'm going out to Colorado this fall, I haven't been asking off for much, uh, which means what I'm doing is basically turkey hunting before work, and the land I go to is about an hour drive. So it's been, you know, 2.45, 3 in the morning, get up, go turkey hunting, drive back home, quick shower, go to work, come back home, run errands, repeat. So, yeah, I'm just kind of running, running on fumes for the... Uh, rest of this week, but it's all good. Um, and I'm hoping I'm going to punch that tag by the end of the week. But anyways, what I recently did was I uploaded a video about the JX3 where it was essentially just kind of like an instructions for use video. Um, I didn't really talk much about my experiences, pros or cons of the system. Really all I did was I just took the system and basically showed how it works, what the components are, you know, how it's intended to be used, climbing up the tree, how it's intended to be used up in the tree, maneuvering for shots, uh, how to draw back and, and kind of, you know, how to adjust the comfort. And so it's probably not a bad idea if you're listening to this to watch that video as kind of a precursor if you don't already have somewhat of a level of familiarity with the JX3 hybrid. Uh, but otherwise, you could probably just uh, listen to this as well and just maybe, you know, pull up some pictures on your phone, at least just to get a visual. I think that would be helpful. But essentially... What I wanted to do in this podcast is actually go into more of the review type stuff uh, in and of itself. So that would include things like what I thought based on my experience hunting with it last fall, as well as kind of the pros and cons when I think it would be good to use it, when I think it would be good to use something else and go into overall more detail. So in terms of just the overall background about what the heck this thing is, there used to be a product called the Guido's Web. And the Guido's web was kind of a bigger saddle hunting system where just like a saddle, you were facing the tree in this Guido's web. And it was 
known for being very comfortable. It had that reputation. Uh, it was also known for being a little bit heavier, bulkier of a system. And it got, it tended to have a reputation for getting kind of hot when you were walking around. Uh, didn't really breathe uh, that well. Granted, everything that I'm saying about the Guido's Web is secondhand information. I never actually had one uh, to use or try out. It's basically just secondhand information. But essentially, Guido's company went, well, he didn't go out of business. He decided to sell, kind of retire, I guess. And so he basically sold that company to a new owner who basically took over the idea and the system and really revamped it and made some upgrades in order to make it into the GX3 hybrid. So GX3 Outdoors is the name of the company. And if you take a look at the way that this thing is put together now, it's essentially got some similarities to the Guido's Web, but a lot of differences. So if you can imagine this thing is kind of a top half and a bottom half, the top half being essentially like a, a Molly rucksack frame. If you Google like Molly 2 rucksack, frame, you'll get an idea of this, you know, kind of injection molded pack frame. It's a rigid frame and it's got, you know, the shoulder straps and the waist belt and so on and so forth. And then the bottom portion of this saddle is basically a rigid seat with, you know, a mesh that's kind of held taut. So the best way to kind of think about the seat is almost kind of like the seat of a lawn chair where you have that aluminum, um, outer perimeter and then you have that tightly stretched mesh over the top. And so in addition to kind of being a lighter weight fabric and being very breathable in contrast to that old Guido's web, it's also very comfortable because you now have that rigid platform to be able to support your weight. And so because that's rigid, it has basically the bridge attachment points on that frame. So it's not tight to your hip. So there's basically no way you could possibly get hip pinch with this type of a system. And it also means that you can basically put the tree tether up, you know, as high as you can reach. Whereas with a typical saddle, usually you have kind of a window of most comfortable tether height with this thing. It's literally just throw it as high as you can reach. And that gives you the best ability to kind of maneuver around the tree. The other thing that having that rigid seat gives it the ability to do is it basically runs off of what's called a fork. Uh, to separate you from the tree. So with a typical saddle, you would essentially either be leaning against your platform in which just your feet would be up against the platform and you'd be kind of standing up and leaning out away from the tree, or you'd be sitting. And when you're sitting, you would just essentially have your feet on your platform and your knees up against the tree. Well, with this JX3 hybrid, it has a small uh, aluminum fork between your legs and it attaches to the frame and it sticks out into the bark of the tree. And the old Guido's web was non adjustable. So it was just a fixed length and that fork would stick into the tree and that would kind of act as a standoff to hold your seat away from the tree. So you didn't even have to have to have your legs in contact with the tree. The fork was doing all of the heavy lifting. And with the JX3, it's the same exact thing. The only difference is that the fork is adjustable in terms of its length. So depending on if your tree has a little bit of lean, you can make the fork either longer or shorter. And I got to say, after actually using that, and I'll get into the comfort, I think a little bit more um, in just a bit, it does make a large difference just in terms of when you first sit in the thing, it's dramatically different of a feel in terms of minimalist saddle versus this hybrid because of the fact that it's rigid on the top and the bottom 
and because it has that fork. So if you had to say, I guess, one main draw to the system, if you could kind of describe it in one word, it would be comfort. That's why the majority of people would look into a system like this. As I get a little bit further into the podcast, I'll talk about some of the pros and cons. And, you know, I guess there's definitely reasons why you would still want to use another system, but that always has to be, you know, kind of compared and contrasted with some of the advantages like the comfort. So let's jump into my experience using it last November. I didn't use it for the entire season. I basically just used it for the rut time frame, uh, especially when I was down uh, hunting with Bobby down in Missouri for that you know week long trip, roughly in November. Actually, it wasn't even didn't even end up being a week. It was a few days, and then I also used it up in southeast Minnesota when I drove back up north on the way back from that trip. And so the thought process was, you know, this thing's got a lot of comfort. Supposedly, I'm going to be doing a lot of all day sits during the rut, during gun season. So that was what I really wanted to get the most use out of it and the most kind of testing out of it. And so there was a combination for sure of all day sits. And I also had some short sits as well, which would be kind of more akin to what I would typically use either a hang on stand or a minimalist saddle. And I did make a couple minor modifications to the stock system. And so one of the main modifications that I did to it was I basically took like a condor hip belt padding because the hip belt that comes on the JX3 uh, doesn't have any padding. It's just basically, I think, a one and a half inch wide webbing for that hip belt. And since I wanted to kind of, you know, really be able to use that hip belt to its fullest potential, I figured, hey, I might be adding, you know, a pound or so to this system. But if I add this hip belt padding on, it's going to ride a little bit more comfortably on some of those longer walks down in the, uh, the drainages and whatnot. So that was one of the modifications that I made. The other modification that I made to it was kind of jerry-rigging some uh, load lifters, which I used somewhat, but mostly didn't. I just kind of put them in place just to kind of test them out. And I'll I'll come back to those a little bit later, the load lifters. Uh, I didn't really get much use out of them during that actual November hunt. In terms of gear and packing, essentially what I did was I utilized that sort of load shelf, if you will, to carry my climbing method, which during that time frame, I was using the wild edge steps. I was just packing in essentially five steps plus one of those multi-step aiders. So I was just being able to fit that entire thing right in that load shelf with the seat flipped up and out of the way for walking mode. And then I had basically the uh, two of the wild edge steps I would use for the platform. So I would climb with sort of three steps. And then once I got to hunting height, I would set two steps on kind of the four o'clock and the eight o'clock of the tree. So that I had, you know, not just necessarily a step right in the middle of the tree, but uh, a platform kind of on either side, which ended up coming in a little bit handy on some of the, the various tree situations that I had to deal with. In terms of a pack, you know, one of the supposed draws of this system is that you don't have to use a pack. And because I had camera gear, I still ended up bringing a small pack. And what I just basically did was I would just have an additional uh, pull rope to be able to pull up that small camera pack and be able to to hook up that stuff once I was up in the tree. But typically the idea is that since the thing is built on a, a frame with a lot of modularity, there's very likely a good chance you may not need to bring an additional pack. And if I would have been using climbing sticks, you would typically, if you had like a fixed climbing stick, uh, like the DIY ones or like the B sticks, 
then that's something that you could pretty easily carry on the outside of the, the seat when it's flipped up in that walking mode. And I, with walking around the overall comfort level of the system, so because the system is a little bit heavier than what you'd typically be used to with a saddle at an advertised weight of nine and a half pounds, and mine was likely a bit heavier than that with the modifications, it's kind of, you know, you could definitely make a case for why that may be a little bit more cumbersome walking through the woods, going through long distances, uh, kind of bushwhacking through the timber, going up and down steep drainages where we were hunting in Missouri, the timber wasn't really too thick. So that wasn't too much of an issue. If you look at the size of the seat for a narrower framed person, the seat is, you know, fairly wide and does stick up a little bit higher on your shoulder. So if you were going to kind of crouch and walk under stuff, you're a little bit more likely to, to snag things on that seat. Um, but where we were hunting, it wasn't really that big of an issue just because in that kind of Missouri, uh, wooded habitat, the trees were spread out enough that, you know, it wasn't, wasn't nearly as bad as some of the, you know, kind of swampier stuff that I might have closer to home. And because I had that hip belt and because the shoulder straps fit nicely, the fact that this thing was on a frame pack, that nine and a half pounds, it, it doesn't carry like nine and a half pounds in a frameless pack wood, right? So it's, it carries the weight very well. And even with the additional weight of the climbing system and for me, the camera gear, it's, it wasn't that it was a total non-issue carrying that additional weight because of how easily it packs. So it'd be kind of the same type of uh, thought process as if you were to bring like, you know, a mystery ranch pop-up pack or something like that to carry your climbing method. It's like, yeah, that pack weighs, you know, four or five pounds, but you load that thing up with, you know, five, 10, 15 pounds of gear and it carries the weight so well, you don't notice that weight. It's not a perceived weight that's as bad as what you would think just by what the number says on the scale. So really not too many complaints about actually walking with it in the woods. But if I would have to make, you know, kind of a noteworthy statement, it would be that if you are a smaller framed guy, the size of that seat when flipped up makes it a little bit more likely to snag than if you had more of a minimalist style pack uh, and you were climbing or I guess walking with a minimalist saddle. Now, once you get to the tree, essentially, you know, depending on what climbing method you're using and how you have that thing hooked up, I, I suppose you could rig it up so that you would be able to kind of pull your climbing sticks off as you climb up the tree. Since I was using those wild edge steps, basically what I did was I would just take the seat and flip it down. So it just kind of hangs loose. And then I took those wild edge steps and put them over my shoulder and just climbed, you know, as I would normally climb with those wild edge steps. Then once you get to hunting height, you go ahead, attach the tether, um, hook into your bridge and then loosen up that lineman's belt and then detach that lineman's belt. And then you're essentially, you know, ready to hunt. The act of attaching the bridge with the hybrid is basically what allows you to have that seat, uh, hold its kind of seated position. If you unattach the bridge, then it just kind of, you know, folds back down and hangs loose beneath you. And then it also has the ability to kind of flip up behind you and hook back up onto itself for that walking mode. And I, I suppose you could climb with the seat in kind of that up mode as well. I don't know if there's necessarily a pro or a con. I, you know, felt perfectly comfortable just kind of leaving it hanging down beneath me. And I really don't see any issues with doing it that way. The only thoughts that I guess I have in terms of just, you know, simply climbing was that with the lineman's rope that comes with the, uh, the harness, it is kind of a style where you just have a Prusik 
hitch on that rope. You know, it had been so many years since I had, I had to use the lineman's rope that didn't have a wild country rope man ascender on it, that it really just, you know, cemented in my mind just how nice of a piece of gear that thing is for me to have. Because uh, just using the lineman's rope for me by itself with just that Prusik hitch, it is a lot more cumbersome to climb just from the aspect of number one, you have to use two hands to adjust that hitch. And number two, if you weight it, you know, just enough, then that starts to bite down. And then you really got to pull, uh, to get that hitch to loosen up and slide once again. So what I ended up doing actually, is I took a plastic D ring from, I don't know, it was like a leftover from a, a pack or something and just tied on a loop of paracord. And then I was able to basically use that as a hitch lifting device, uh, by tying that onto the lineman's rope and having that plastic D ring right underneath the hitch of the Prusik cord. And so basically when I would go to um, kind of pull up the tag end, in essence, the way that it was tied up, it would kind of use that, uh, that plastic D ring would pull up on the bottom side of the hitch and kind of act as if it were your hand pulling up on the hitch. And that would cause it to break and, you know, kind of once again, give you that one handed adjustability and that paracord slash plastic D ring kind of worked, but it wasn't by any means the greatest thing in the world. Uh, for sure, something like a chisel rope slider or something like the system that Arrow Hunter has rigged up to be able to use the one-handed adjustments would definitely work much better and much smoother. This thing kind of did the job, um, but, you know, it's definitely not, in my opinion, as nice or user-friendly as a rope man. So that's probably something that even though this system comes stock with, you know, just that uh, that general Prusik, one of the upgrades that I would make to it personally would just be to swap that out for one of those rope man ascenders. Even for some of the, the people that commented on my instructions for use video, um, there were some people who thought it looked, you know, kind of cumbersome. When you're actually climbing with it, I don't feel that way necessarily. The only thing that you notice, I guess, that may be different than a minimalist saddle is just that you have slightly more weight hanging off your shoulders when compared to a minimalist saddle. Cause you know, typically with that saddle, all you have is just your pack of anything, just kind of hanging off your shoulders. Uh, whereas with the, the hybrid, you basically have the full weight of the system hanging from your shoulders. So you're looking at what roughly 10 pounds, uh, that you're climbing with. So again, for me, not a huge deal. Um, but it is kind of one of those things that is this minor difference between using something that's a little bit more lightweight. Once up in the tree, you know, the only thing that initially you have to be kind of conscientious about is actually setting the, the tether and the bridge at the appropriate height. And it's not necessarily a comfort thing, but just if you have basically the bridge, uh, and the carabiner on the tether set a little bit too high, what can happen is you might set it so that your feet just barely touch your climbing method or your platform. When you actually sit down into the system, it makes it a little bit hard to maneuver. But once you find out that perfect spot to be able to set it, then it's, it's really easily repeatable. Um, and that gives you the ability to basically rotate around the tree pretty much 360. And when I show in that video, I basically show that you can, you know, either one rotate around the tree uh, more than halfway one direction and then spin back around and rotate more than halfway the other direction, uh, to get your 360 degree shooting. Or you can also lift the bow up above your bridge, 
twist at the hips and then be able to shoot on your weak side using that method as well. So just in terms of, you know, when people talk about saddle hunters, either being leaners or sitters or some kind of combination of the two, this is definitely a sitting system, right? You can lean in it, but it's, it's definitely something where just by the nature of how it's designed, you're going to be in a sitting position. Your knees are going to be, you know, close to a 90 degree angle. They're not going to be up against the tree because of that fork. Uh, but basically you're going to take most of your shots from that sitting angle. And the only thing that you're probably going to want to do. And the thing that I would, I did when I was basically using this thing is take the shoulder straps off and kind of put them out of the way. Uh, I definitely found that that made my upper body mobility, uh, much, much greater. And when I ended up shooting that buck down in Missouri, he was very close and I was fairly high up in the tree, probably 20 feet in like a 10 yard shot. And so I turned, he was at my six o'clock and leaned out and down to be able to get that good T form to take that, you know, not close to straight down, but a very, you know, high angled shot. And I was able to take that shot pretty comfortably. So even though you don't have quite the same amount of, you know, hip swivel or uh, bridge mobility as you do with the minimalist saddle, it still seemed to uh, do the job just fine in that situation. Moving around the tree definitely takes a little bit of getting used to. And when I say a little bit, probably like five minutes playing around with it in the backyard type of movement. Um, it, it's really pretty intuitive once you actually play around with it and use it. The one thing that I would say is, you know, when you look at kind of overall movement, getting in some of those various shot positions, yeah, you're, you're moving a lot more than you would in say like a hang on stand where you just kind of stand up and spin in place or even a minimalist saddle using a platform that you can stand on. Uh, where like if you're a leaner and you are running a really short, uh, bridge or, or low tether height, and you kind of pull yourself up to where you're actually standing on that platform and you can kind of stand and rotate in place. Those are kind of your more or less least amount of movement type scenarios that with the hybrid and the way that it works, you are moving, uh, more from just a visual standpoint, from the deer's perspective to be able to get to some of those shot locations. So while you do have probably one of the, you know, best overall, uh, mobilities in terms of 360 degree shooting around the tree, uh, you definitely do need to take into consideration that in my opinion, you want to still line up your shots to your strong side as much as possible, just from the movement aspect of it. That being said, if you're hunting high up or whatever, you got a lot of tree canopy, bad cover, you're hunting during the rut deer distracted, you can get away with some of that movement. Uh, but it's, it's definitely something you want to be um, kind of aware of. And again, just kind of watching the video, that gives you a really good idea of what, you know, kind of the movement looks like to be able to get into some of those various shot uh, positions. And then just in terms of kind of your overall profile in the tree, because you're sitting uh, next to the tree, as opposed to leaning against the tree, in my opinion, and, and obviously I can't ask a deer to kind of confirm this, but in my opinion, when you're in a minimalist saddle and you're kind of leaning uh, out from the, the tree on a platform and you're straight, that's when you are probably most likely to resemble a limb just in terms of the geometry with you sticking out away from the tree. And if you're not moving, I think that's when you're going to blend in kind of the best when you're sitting in a tree stand. And I, I still remember this particular image, you know, plain as day, I, my dad and I hunting, um, back when I was a kid 
and me getting out of my stand and going to meet up with him and seeing him in his dark blobby camo for probably a hundred yards away clear clears day through the uh the woods just because of how that 90 degree angle uh, of his thighs stuck out and just made such a, a stark contrast with all of the trees around him um with the hybrid it's kind of a, a similar type of deal whereas you know you're in that sitting position so you have those 90 degree angles you have some horizontal um members with your thighs so i don't think you you kind of blend into the normal up and, and out of tree limbs quite as well um that being said if you are wearing you know your your nice open pattern camels i don't think it's as big of a deal and and i always tend to think that it's a movement that's going to get you picked off more so than you know camouflage um, or more so than what type of system you're hunting out of now in terms of the versatility and the tree selection with the hybrid you know typically with a hang-on stand something like a lone wolf my tree versatility is going to be very high there's very few trees that i'm not going to be able to figure out a way to get something like that in the tree and be able to hunt out of it same thing is pretty much true with a minimalist saddle and a, a platform a standing platform something like a predator i can pretty much get that into just about any tree and if it's you know a leaning tree typically what i'd like to do with that type of system either on the minimalist saddle or the hang-on stand is i'd usually want to be on the high side of that lean and then basically I'm either in a stand sitting there until it's time to stand up. Once I stand up, I can rotate in place, you know, 360 degrees more or less to get that shot opportunity. And with the saddle, you're mostly standing um, or leaning as opposed to sitting in that kind of scenario. I usually have a lower uh, bridge and tether height. And then again, just kind of standing and rotating in place to get those various shot opportunities. With the, the hybrid, what I found is if you sit on the high side of a lean, you kind of have to make sure you really hold your position there because the tendency is for gravity to want to swing you down to the low side of the tree. So I found out very quickly that hanging on the high side of the lean wasn't really the best um, option to be able to hunt out of a lot of those leaning type of trees. Uh, same thing kind of goes if you are on a, the side of the lean. If it's a very minor side lean, then it's usually not that big of a deal. You can take the tether and move it to one side or the other to kind of balance out the fact that your, um, your body wants to rotate just ever so slightly off to that one side. The other thing that I found is that on some of those ever so slight side leans, because I had those wild edge steps set at, you know, kind of my, the sides of the tree, as opposed to just in the center of the tree that allowed me to kind of hold, um, some pressure against one of those steps and kind of hold my position. Whereas there might've been that ever so slight tendency for me to want to rotate to the low side. I was able to use those steps and kind of offset with some pressure to make sure I stayed in that same spot. And that kind of leads into the last thing that if you hang on the low side of the lean and extend that fork out to as long as it, um, as long as it can be, that's kind of your best for overall, you know, kind of comfort and where it seems to make the most sense to be able to hunt on those leaning trees. Granted, you're not going to be able to have that same amount of mobility around the tree to be able to, you know, swing at your 360 degrees when you're on a, a more severe, I guess, leaning tree, because it's going to be really hard to kind of rotate yourself anywhere except for that low side of the tree. 
and you can still move your hips, right? You can still easily shoot, um, you know, from your six o'clock all the way up through your strong side range of motion. And then you can still kind of cross that bow over your bridge to be able to get your weak side shot. Uh, but it's, it's definitely a little bit different of a scenario than if you're just a kind of a, you know, straight up and down telephone pole type tree. So that was a little bit of a learning curve for me. I'm so used to kind of hunting on the high side of the lean, but it definitely seemed like with the hybrid, it worked the best on the low side. And so now that's something that when I'm scouting, I'm taking note of, right? Like if I find a great spot and say, Hey, that's the tree that I want to be able to sit in. I visualize myself in that tree and kind of think, okay, would this be best suited with a tree stand? Where would I put it? Where would I sit? Where would I stand? It, would I be best served with a minimalist saddle? Where would I put that platform? Would I be able to hide behind the tree, be able to draw back, shoot without any movement? Uh, or would I be best served on the low side of a lean, you know, just kind of based on the way things lay out and where the cover is. And in that case, then probably the JX3 would be kind of the best bet, you know, regardless of what are the other variables in that type of set would be. So that was definitely something that I learned in terms of tree selection with that. And then kind of the last thing for, you know, in the tree experience, uh, the comfort, you know, kind of what everybody talks about with this system. And it definitely is, I would say all of it is, you know, kind of claimed in terms of the comfort. People say it's the most comfortable type of system out there. I, I have to agree. And it's not necessarily so much that minimal saddles or lightweight tree stands like a lone wolf are, are uncomfortable. Uh, because I've definitely done all day sits and those types of um, setups as well. But it's it's really not much of a comparison. What I would have compared it to would be like, if you were comparing uh, a lone wolf to like a Millennium M150 monster, it's like, yeah, you can sit all day in a lone wolf, no problem. And it's a great stand, great option. But if you're just com- looking at the comfort and no other variables, like that Millennium is, is much is a much better option in terms of just being able to have that giant mesh seat, be able to have that little bit of a lean back, nice giant platform. And it's kind of the same type of feeling with the hybrid. Um, you have just effortless comfort and you can sit there without any kind of movement for, you know, hours. I'd be able to sit there and kind of like, you know, a half day is, as the hours kind of drone by and I wouldn't be swaying. I wouldn't be fidgeting just, as still as can be, which I think there's definitely something to be said about that, especially in a long sit, you know, and especially if you're in an area where you're kind of skylighted a little bit and movement could definitely get you busted before you might have an opportunity to see a deer. And so if you're somebody who, you know, we've all seen that guy in the forum or our Facebook page says, you know, the drawback for me, you know, jumping to a saddle is that there's just too much movement. I'd be swaying around too much, fidgeting, this, that, and the other thing. Well, in my opinion, that doesn't really apply as an argument to the hybrid, just because that level of comfort is there to the extreme where it's just not an issue. Um, so also if you are the type of person who, right, like comfort is your, your main thing and you'd rather, regardless if it's an all day sit or regardless of if you're saying, Hey, even if I'm out there for two hours, I want to be the most comfortable. I want to be for those two hours and get the most enjoyment out of it. Then that's this, I think based on everything that I've tried is by far the best option. Um, so in comfort, that category 
definitely I think the hybrid is the winner. So now there's let's look at some of the other, I guess, categories for, you know, pros and cons of what you, you might want to look at when comparing a minimalist saddle versus a stand versus the hybrid. So weight, when you're looking at the weight, if you're comparing a minimalist saddle, like something like a tethered mantis or an arrow hunter kite or something like that, and a climbing method that's made up of, you know, steps, like some of the guys that are using uh, the tree bolts to climb or somebody's using spurs and you don't really have to use a pack. You got everything that you can carry for, you know, your three or four hour hunt in your pockets. Then there's definitely a dramatic difference in overall weight between those types of setups, right? Cause the hybrid, you're looking at roughly 10 pounds before your climbing method. Whereas with something like the, you know, Mantis or Castro, you're looking at, you know, just a couple of pounds before your climbing method. So there definitely is a difference there. However, if you are somebody who wants to carry a frame pack, um, or a little bit beefier pack in general to be able to carry things like your climbing sticks, then it becomes a little bit more close, right? Because say for example, my mystery ranch pop-up pack, that thing weighs four and a half pounds and it's a great pack. It's a very comfortable pack and it could probably carry, you know, 75 to 80 pound loads, uh, before you, you really start to wish you had a beefier pack, which is significant. And when you're carrying climbing sticks and, you know, camera gear and stuff like that, it carries the load extremely well and it makes it feel like a lot lighter load than it actually is. That being said, it's still adding, you know, that four and a half, five pounds to that minimalist saddle setup. And when you look at the overall breakdown, it becomes a lot closer and it becomes a lot more expensive, right? You look at how much a saddle costs versus then a $300 pack to add on to that. Then you compare that to, I guess the overall, you know, setup with the hybrid that has the ability to, uh, with that frame, carry the heavier loads and I have put 80 pounds of salt and, you know, gone up and down stairs and, and hiked around with it. Um, and it, you know, does the job. So there's definitely a comparison just in terms of if you're looking for apples to apples, if you're going to be using a frame pack with a minimal, minimalist saddle becomes, I think a closer, um, a closer ball game. Now, in terms of, I guess, shot mobility and tree selection, this is where, you know, if you're, if you're the type of person who hunts in an area where all the trees are, are fairly straight, maybe you could be using a climbing tree for 90% of your or climber stand for 90% of your sets and do just fine, then there's probably not a lot of, you know, downside to, um, any of these systems, right? They're all, everything works with straight trees for the most part. Um, you're definitely going to have a fantastic amount of range and mobility in terms of your shooting with a hybrid. You're going to have great mobility, obviously with the minimal saddle as well, your tree stand and that type of scenario is going to have your least amount of mobility. Uh, just because you have that small amount of gap on the backside in terms of the movement, I think either the minimalist saddle on a platform, like, uh, something like a tethered predator where you can kind of, if you wanted to stand directly up on top of it and rotate in place, I think that's going to be your least amount of movement. Uh, whereas if you're going to be more of a sitter in the minimalist saddle, working on like a ring of steps, or if you're in the hybrid, that's going to be visually your most amount of movement, but they're all going to, you know, kind of allow that 360 degrees of movement around the tree to take kind of any shot that you want to be able to take. 
But let's say by contrast, you're in just thick, nasty cover. You have trees that go every which way, multiple trunks, branches splitting off in, you know, goofy places. Then that's something where now the tables for me personally start to tip a little bit more towards something like a lone wolf or something like, um, a minimalist saddle with just, I don't even like a ring of steps for those type of trees with a minimalist saddle. I, I just go straight for that standing style platform, the leaning style platform, uh, because in those type of scenarios, I just feel like if need be, depending on how much or how badly that tree is leaning, I can hunt with a really low bridge and tether height and really kind of maximize. And even if I'm standing up almost vertically, I can get in just about any tree I could ever want to get into. So I think that's someplace where if you're hunting a lot of areas like that, where you have really kind of sketchy or, well, I guess not sketchy, but just really poor selection of trees to be able to get to where you actually need to be, then that's something where I think the, the hybrid becomes a little bit harder to use just because, you know, like I said earlier, it works really well with that high uh, tether height. And if you're in the type of scenario where, you know, a high tether height might mean that your tether is offset a foot by where your feet are going to be, then it becomes a little bit harder to use and actually maneuver around the tree. So that's something to keep in mind. In terms of cost, you know, I think for the most part, if you're comparing, you know, high quality U.S. made saddle, these systems are all fairly close. You know, they're in the, the couple hundred dollar range, which I think the only way that we're ever going to get dramatically away from that is once you start seeing somebody take a saddle overseas and have it kind of mass produced and have a lot of the sewing automated. For the most part, though, all these other systems are in roughly the same ballpark. So I don't think cost-wise that should be a major deciding factor between any of those systems. So, you know, really for me in a nutshell, it's, it's like these systems, number one, the hang-on stand, number two, the hybrid, number three, the minimalist saddle and platform setup. These to me are different enough that I feel like you could own one of each and be able to find scenarios where you could definitely say, yeah, this one of the three is the best for this type of set and be able to use all three at different times throughout the year. Now, I, I know that that's obviously not always practical for, for somebody to own one of everything that's out there on the market. Um, but just to kind of stress the point that there's not always one best solution for every type of scenario. Now, one thing you can do with a hybrid is actually use it on the ground as well as kind of a, you know, a turkey chair type of thing where instead of using the bridge, essentially what you do is you can take the front two corners of that seat and hook that into the frame. And then you're able to adjust with the tension to adjust the angle of your seat. So you can either have that thing, you know, pulled nice and tight. So you're almost vertical, or you can kind of let some of that, uh, slack out and just kind of lean back at like a 45 degree angle and, you know, kick your feet up and just relax. And so I use that turkey hunting a few times this spring. And, and typically what I would basically use it is for those times when I was out there hunting all day, um, and maybe doing a lot of blind calling. Maybe I'm in an area where I have a lot of field edges. So I'm doing a lot of those longer sequences, you know, 30, 45 minutes, move a couple hundred yards, do it again. Uh, versus where if I was just doing purely a running gun style of sit, you know, sometimes I won't even bring a turkey vest for that. A lot of times I will, 
but I typically wouldn't bring the hybrid for that just because I, I'm not usually sitting in one place long enough that I really felt like I needed the additional, I guess, comfort of the seat, but it is very comfortable. You know, I've never used a gobbler lounger, but I'd imagine it's probably a similar type of, you know, comfort level. Um, it's, it, it's really like sitting in a low riding lawn chair, um, when you're out in the woods, you can set it up. You don't need to have a tree. You can set it up on the ground, um, up against brush or, you know, along a fence line or anything like that. Uh, just because it is self-supporting by having those carabiners hooked into the front two corners of the seat. The only thing that, uh, just from, I guess, a camouflage perspective, when you're turkey hunting, I feel like camouflage is more important than it is for deer hunting. When you have that seat flipped up and you're walking, uh, because that, that, uh, seat is a black mesh. If you're looking at yourself from the back, you have that big black, you know, blob in your back, which you can, um, you can kind of cover that up with camouflage or some kind of, you know, camel webbing or something like that if you wanted to. Um, but there's just something that kind of, you know, struck me out as, is kind of noteworthy, but typically you're not going to be having to worry too much about your, uh, your back being exposed and visible to the turkeys as you're walking anyway. So it's, it's not really a huge issue. Definitely comfortable, not something I would use on all my sets, but nice to have for those days where you're just, you're spending a lot of time out in the woods, covering ground, napping, calling sequences, blind calling 45 minutes an hour. Definitely good for that type of setup. I do also want to touch on the modularity of the system. So because it's built on that Molly frame for your backrest, you have the ability to add a lot of various, you know, kind of components. And so for example, one of the things I, like I mentioned earlier in the video is that I added those makeshift load lifters. Um, and John from JX3, you know, kind of prototyped his own set too, and, and sent me some to try out and they seem to work pretty well too. I don't know if that's something that'll make it, um, into the commercial, you know, add on option type of list. Um, it was something that I wanted to try and he knew that I was kind of working on that. And so it's one of those things where it's not really needed unless you're going to be hauling out heavier loads, like quartering out a deer. And then even in that case, it's not needed strictly, but it does make a difference in terms of your overall comfort, being able to lift that load a little bit off your shoulders and have most of that weight transfer onto your hips. Um, even more so than, um, if you were to just kind of tighten up the hip belt and loosen up the shoulder straps a little bit, keeps that weight a little bit more centered, a little bit more vertical over your spine. And so that's why a lot of times on those Western style packs, you will see load lifters. And so things like that you can do, you can add, I mean, you look at just the Molly accessory world out there, you go to Amazon and, and you have a whole bunch of different, different Molly pouches, um, clips, webbing attachments. You could very easily, I feel like add a hydration bladder to the back of it, add little pouches to be able to carry, you know, snacks or water or whatever. Oh, the, uh, the little standoff on the front of the seat right next to the fork actually, uh, fits a thermosel really well. So that was something that I never used last season, but I know some of the other guys who have their hands on one of these JX threes, um, and live down South. They, they thought that was, you know, a pretty sweet unintentional, um, use for that little standoff in the front, you know, almost like a perfect fit. So that's something that's uh, kind of interesting to note. 
it's kind of one of those things where you can make it what you want to make it, right? Like me adding on a padded hip belt and me adding on load lifters probably increase the weight of the total system by maybe, I don't know, a pound and a half, two pounds. I haven't actually weighed to see the difference, but the trade-off, you know, the positive trade-off could be that if I do want to load it down, it carries that weight much better and it's a lot more comfortable versus if you didn't really have the need for that type of load carrying capability, you could just very well run it without any kind of padding on the hip belt and without those loaders and be totally fine and be able to enjoy the little bit lighter overall carry weight. The other thing that actually did come stock with the system was two little basically D rings. I don't remember the exact terminology, uh, but they basically close into the shape of a D and then you can unclip them and they open up and become like small hooks. Um, and so on your bow hand side, you can open up these two little small hooks and actually hang your bow from it and it becomes a nice little, you know, handy bow hanger. And even though it only holds your bow basically on two points, maybe an inch and a half apart from one another. Um, so you, you know, typically put your knock right between the two hooks. It actually worked pretty well. And I'd say probably 75% of the time that I hunted with this thing last fall during the rut, I had that bow just kind of sitting on that little bow hanger on the side versus on the bow hanger that was up in the tree. So there's definitely some options there and, and probably I would imagine as more and more of these, you know, little accessories get prototyped or more and more of these accessories get tried out. I think the, the system definitely lends itself to being highly customized and customizable depending on what exactly uh, a person wants. So anyway, I hope this podcast is kind of helpful. I probably missed out on something. So if you guys have any, you know, additional questions, just go ahead and, you know, send me a message on either Instagram messenger or Facebook messenger, just, you know, get a hold of me even through like a YouTube comment. Um, I'd be happy to, to kind of answer. And I'd say with that, that'll probably do it for this, uh, this episode. So if you guys would, uh, please leave a review on iTunes for the podcast. Always greatly appreciated. Make sure you're following and liking the Sportsman's Nation podcast network on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. Same thing with DIY Sportsman. Go ahead and subscribe on YouTube if you haven't already. Go ahead and follow on Instagram and Facebook as well. And with that, thanks for listening.